Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and today I have with me the founder of Chevert uh, Engineering and Architectural Design, Mark Chevert. Hey, Mark, how are you today? Okay, great, John. Oh, I'm so happy you uh, can join me today. Uh, being the founder of Chevert Engineering and Architectural Design, does that mean you have degrees in both architecture and engineering? No, we're actually architectural engineers. We are a licensed professional engineers, and we specialize in architectural engineering, which is uh, one of the fields in engineering that deals with uh, anything relating to buildings, from foundation, electrical design, mechanical, structural, uh, also sound, anything that has to do with buildings. Oh, the engineering side of it. Right. Now I understand. Sorry about that. I was a little confused. Your company inspects, designs, constructs, and, and manages properties. But before we go into any of those aspects, let's talk about you. Uh, where did you grow up? Well, I uh, grew up uh, in France. And then later I um, grew up in Brazil. And then I went to school in uh, Montreal in Canada. And uh, I started to work there a little bit after I graduated. And then I moved down into to New York City. And uh, I have been in New York City ever since. Right. Now, since uh, 1988. Wow. Okay. So I'm sorry, it was 1983. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a little bit of uh, experience under your belt, so to speak, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so what drew absolutely. you uh, to the Hamptons, though? Well, about uh, 20 years ago, I've always been based in uh, New York City, and we were also, we had an office in um, in uh, Connecticut. We then also, the business grew, and we had offices in Brazil and offices in France. Wow. And uh, about 20 years ago, we uh, came to Southampton, and we made Southampton our home, and we love it out here, and it's really extraordinary. Yeah, it is It is rather unique, isn't it, the area? Yeah. Yeah. Both we got the beaches, we've got uh, the pastures, we got everything here. So That's right, that's right. And there's a lot of construction to do. There's a lot of improvements to still to be made. And Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing because you think, okay, since we don't have any more land in which to expand on from the standpoint, like it's not like Las Vegas where you just keep going out into the desert. It's here where we have a finite amount of land, but there's tons of uh, building going on. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. There is. A, and also we are uh, in a special area in terms of just really being like a sandbar. There is no you never hit rock. You never hit. Uh, so it, 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 there are some challenges to the construction here that we have and less, you know, our own challenges. Right. One of them is, the you know, the water, what you make sure that we protect our water and so on and so forth. Our, our, uh, also One the shoreline. Yeah, one of the challenges I know we were talking earlier was um, is about that Southampton town is is uh, delaying in issuing uh, building permits, and the delays are creating an unprecedented uh, volume of work being done without permits. So, can you give us your thoughts about this, Mark? 
Yes, I think this is actually a great topic and it's a great point and something that uh, has been uh, reviewed even with uh, Supervisor Ch Schneiderman that uh, there is right now an unprecedented amount of work in, in the town. I mean, we've never been so busy in the last 20 years since we've been here and uh, the building department has uh, gone through you know, various changes. We went through various uh, building inspectors and the uh, and now we finally have uh, Sean McDermott, who is a very experienced and a very knowledgeable uh, person, knows the area, who finally landed the position as a chief building inspector. But there are tremendous amount of applications and the applications, and it's taking just way too long to get the permits. And people are just not waiting. And they're just doing the work without permits. As engineers, we are often called, we are being called by the, the homeowners who, who, is, who sees the work being done. And they are saying like this, well, doesn't look right. And that's why we're calling an engineer to come and take a look at it. And when we come, we ask, okay, so where is the permit? And there's no permit. And very often it's also being done by people who are not licensed. So it, it, it's a real issue. I think that there is, a, it would behoove the town to make it easier to issue the permit such that then the, the town then has the right and to go on the premises, inspect the work and make it hard for the work to be to sign off the work, but don't make it hard to issue the permit. I think right. the permits should be, so there is actually uh, something on the books, but at the state level, uh, it's uh, something that was adopted in the New York City, which is called the professional certification. And it's a process by which if the plans are signed and sealed by a, either a registered architect or a licensed professional engineer and the owner consents to it, then the licensed professional, the registered design professional, which is either a registered architect or licensed professional engineer, takes the responsibility for the building code compliance and the building permit is issued like almost immediately. And uh, this was implemented about uh, 20, 25 years ago in New York City by the then borough president, the, bor uh, the borough manager, uh, or, or actually the building commissioner, his name was Joel Mealy. And, uh, and I think it's been a very, very successful program. And Fred Thiel and another uh, senator actually introduced a similar bill at the, uh, the state so level. At the state level. So mm -hmm. it's any municipality could elect to use that program. So it would relieve the building department from the burden of reviewing the the building the the plans for building code, but right. the, the the town would still be inspecting the work, still do the you know the the foundation inspection, framing inspection, electrical inspections, all of the inspection would still be done by the town, but the permits you know would be issued uh, much faster. Yeah, so makes, that's a yeah, it makes total sense what you're saying. It's. Uh, it's almost like common sense, right? It's uh... you're absolutely exactly, and and you know, no licensed professional. Not every licensed professional would will agree to do that because it takes a lot of responsibility. But if you know what you're doing, you know, right. you exactly. should be able to. So have let me no ask problem. you a question: That um, what happens? Okay, somebody goes ahead, builds something, say in addition to a, a building, to a home, and. Uh, how and then all of a sudden they they want to go to sell it and 
they find out, oh, we don't have a uh, permit. How does the how does the town react? Uh, what do you do? You have to take down the walls to look to make sure the electrical is okay and plumbing is okay. How does that work? Yeah, well, exactly. So that process, and this is something that happens a, a, a lot. That uh, um, so this gets discovered in two ways. One, uh, there there were permits that had been issued that were not closed. That would mean that they were never signed off, and um, so that the work had been started under a permit, but they never closed the permit. So at that point, the perm the permit needs to be reopened. The we have to uh, prepare uh, reopen, make sure that all of the work that was completed has been permitted, and then you have to sometimes open the walls uh, to look whether the plumbing was done properly. And the other the other time is sometime you know at the, at the time of uh, the walkthrough for if somebody wants to have an updated CFO for uh, at the time of sale, they come in and they they count the number of bedrooms and you know it, it was approved for three bedrooms and you know long and behold there is six bedrooms, <laughs> so at that point you know you have to get what's called the work done permit and you know legalize what was done without a permit. Yeah, but doesn't it also run in, into uh, issues with the uh, health department? Because um, it's not the amount of uh, bathrooms you have, it's the amount of bedrooms, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. And the, the recently, the, the health department has revised their uh, regulations uh, and definition of bedrooms. See, before somebody could call it, uh, they had an office, they had a den, they had a, a playroom, they had, a, and now all these rooms mostly count as bedrooms. Huh. If there is a closet and uh, there is, it, looks like a bedroom it's going to be counted as a bedroom so, so then at that point you have to upgrade the septic system uh, and make it uh but doesn't a bedroom uh, now correct me because uh, it was always my understanding a bedroom becomes a bedroom because it has a closet if there's not a closet it doesn't make it a bedroom does it right it has to have a closet by definition in the building code to have a uh, it, there's a certain minimum dimensions which of uh, 80 square feet in the building code in the town of Southampton, it's 100 square feet. And it has to have a closet, it has to have a door, and it has to have an egress window, a window that uh, somebody can, in case of fire, can egress through that window. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now let's talk about some of the people that have complaints. Um, you're a member of the town licensing review board. The town has a process to review complaints against contractors, which you think is being underutilized. So two questions. Why do, you, why do you think it's being underutilized? And what is the process involved in filing a complaint? Well, I think that's that's one of the best uh, secrets that we have in, uh, in Southampton is the licensing review board and the ability of consumers to, if there is an issue with the contractor, on the work that they've done or um, uh, or payments that they come to the licensing review board and file a complaint. And it's interesting to see that a lot of the complaints that we are getting are from uh, seniors. It seems that uh, you know, unscrupulous contractors are really targeting uh, seniors in the area. And it's something that uh, I had recently spoken to uh, Deborah Keller, who handles the town website, to try to possibly advertise it and make it more known that you don't necessarily have to have necessarily have to go to a lawyer. 
you can also go to the licensing review board and we will then at that point uh, review the work and make sure that that contractor uh, if he wants to continue to do work in Southampton that he, he abides by the, his contract and corrects the work that was done improperly. Well, can you affect his license? Yes, I mean, absolutely. See, the town of Southampton uh, is uh, just like the town of East Hampton. Uh, we issue our own uh, license to contractors for home improvement contractor. The, the requirement for uh, to have a home improvement contract uh, license is a state regulation. It's general business law, I think 7777, that requires that any uh, homeowner and this is valid everywhere in the state, whether you're in New York City, Babylon, or anywhere. And and you, persons who um, contract to provide home improvement contract, uh, home improvements to a home, to a homeowner, must have that license. And with that license uh, goes a few obligations. One of them is that when they sign the contract, the contract has to have a certain format, has to have certain points mentioned in the uh, in the contract, they must have uh, some of the payments must go into, into an escrow account and be held until the job is finished. So there are very requirements that are clearly spelled out in the state regulations. And the town of Southampton does issue their own license to uh, contractors. So we review, there's a, a review process. People apply for a license. We review them. We review their background. And... The, the threshold in the town of Southampton to get uh, a home improvement contractor's license, it's not very high. Uh, in the town of East Hampton, it's a little higher. They require some education for uh, landscape contractors. In other jurisdictions, they require also some uh, continuing educations. In, Mark, in, in I'm, the, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but we've, we've got to fly. So how can somebody get in touch with you if they have more questions about some of the things we've uh, spoken about today? Well, thanks. Uh, the, well, the best way to reach us is uh, we have a website. It's www.shiffert.com. It's C-H-I-F-F, -F, like Frank, E-R-T. And uh, or you're welcome to call me on my cell at 917-656-9166. Uh, and I hope uh, everybody enjoyed it. And please, they should try, if they have any problems with any contractors, to do take advantage of uh, the licensing review board in the town. Right. Mark Shivert, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life. Please stay where you are since we'll be right back with my next guest, Shelter Island broker, Susan Sincata. Welcome back to Real Life. And this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have Shelter Island broker, Susan Sincata. Hey, Susan, how are you today? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy you're on the program. Uh, before we talk about real estate uh, on Shelter Island, let's, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, besides being an excellent uh, broker, you're also a thespian. Were you in yeah. theater in high school? Yes. Uh, in high school, I was with the Performing Arts Foundation, Path Playhouse in Huntington, a professional playhouse. I was a member of the student company. You know, I did a lot of uh, work in order to keep my scholarship and learn. And then we performed on Saturdays and sometimes in schools, which wow. was kind of fun, too, because, you know, visiting artists. 
right, right. I still sort of do that. I was in a Shelter Island school for three days with an artist, Cheryl Molnar, who um, did collage with the students there. So I still volunteer. I'm, I'm doing a play, a brand new play called The Prospect Looks Good on Shelter Island oh. by Lisa Shaw for the Historical Society at their theater outside the barn, which is all true. The Prospect was a great hotel and uh, opened in the summer. It burned down in 38, but this is about its days during Prohibition. And um, I'm, I'm the Prohibition lady. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know about it. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yes, theater is alive and well and all of that. Oh, that's fantastic. So when is that uh, taking place? That's in July. In July. You can check the Shelter Island Historical Society webpage. Tickets are on sale now. And um, it will, it's, it's not long. It's like 6 to 7.30. So you can come over, see the play, and then go to dinner. Wow. It's a lot of fun. We did it yeah, last year. Do they uh, have a, a stage that they build? Is yes, it, oh. they, they have a large barn and outside the barn, Chris Fokin, who did the renovation to the and oh, um, for Pedersen. He had he had donated, oh gosh, over a million dollars in memory of his wife who passed, who was a volunteer. Remember? Yes. When he did that? Yes. So the barn is there and Chris made us a stage. And so we have an outdoor stage. And last year we had done a, a play about the lima bean industry on Shelter Island, which was if in today's money, about a $30 million investment lima that was bean? hit by blights, hurricanes, economy, out it went. But these are real people we're portraying and uh, and it's fun. It's really fun. So last year we did so well with Hill of Beans that we're doing the prospects looks good. Oh, I love it. I love Both it. Both by Lisa Shaw and her husband, Tom Hauschagen, is in there. It's a musical. It's a lot of fun. I'm learning the rumba. Oh, excellent. excellent. All good things. <laughs> you can go to South America now, right? Um, well, it's got a little Cuban flavor. We've got some songs, you know, life is just a bowl of cherries. Right. And then um, the peanut man, you uh, know, it's, uh, so we're learning all these things because that was what was popular then in right. 30. Oh, God, I might get this wrong. 32. And I think it the hurricane was in 38 and somewhere around there it burned to the ground. Wow. And now it's a park. When you get off the North Ferry, you come up the hill, that mm -hmm. hill prospect park with a lovely walk. That was where the hotel was. Fascinating. So it's it's historic. Right. So let me ask you a question. Since you had uh, either you're in theater, uh, did you have any teachers or directors that gave you some advice that you still remember and that you use it today in real estate? Oh, God, yes. Uh, in college, I did a lot of them. Um, I was very lucky. I got cast and then I got some leads and then I had a brilliant friend. He, he passed many years ago, but Patrick Giles said, um, well, well, we're going to do something different with you. I said, well, I want to learn everything you can teach me, really. So he would take me to the Liberty Diner. And I called it the Liberty Diner School of Acting because after the rehearsal, he would tell me everything I should do better. Work on this, do that, blah, blah. And he really shaped me and believed in me so much. And he did everything. He sang opera. He worked for the Village Voice Interview Magazine. Um, he also, years later, worked for Path Playhouse before it closed. 
Harry Chapin put a, a lot of money into that theater, but it still didn't survive because it's very tough, you know, for theaters to survive. Broadway is much smaller now and all of that business. It's amazing so, uh, coming back, uh, you know. So he was he was a great influence. And my college professors, many, many of them, Michael Disher, who is alive and well, and thank God, well, after all his troubles, he's back. Um, we just did uh, Miracle on 34th Street in December. Small group of people. That was the first play back from, from all of his uh, medical stuff. So that was a really, really wonderful thing. And it was wonderful and lovely to be with him and to be cast. You know, let's, let's just uh, talk about Shelter Island real estate. Sure. Now, okay. I recently read an article about Shelter Island. You probably read it also. Um, in the Post? It, was it in the Post? Or I thought it was in the... It was one in the Post, you know, okay. billionaires coming to Shelter Island. Right, exactly. They're, they're, they're okay. attracting now, the, you know, the, the rich and famous. And they're saying it's because of the ferry makes it like a gated community. Is there any truth to that? Well, Shelter Island is named Shelter Island for a very good reason. It's sheltered. You know, um, its its native name is island surrounded by water, you know, by islands, too, because you have lands on, on the, both yeah. sides. You are in. Well, for a real estate broker, I'm in an ideal spot. I can go to the South Fork and the North Fork and Shelter Island like that, you know, just ferry hopping. And now people realize that because we're very conservation minded, we are an island where you have to kind of take care of each other in some ways. And we hope that that philosophy of being neighborly, loyal, kind, thoughtful stays, stays with us. We're, we're hoping for that. We've always had an influx of very wealthy people because of our waters, because of our, our land, and because we don't have a lot of infrastructure. So the taxes aren't ridiculous, you know, that kind of thing. So it's attractive, but it always has been. I mean, some of our hotels have been around for generations, things like that. But uh, there is an influx of new buyers, especially during the pandemic. And it was a, a good reason to buy and people want their money safer. So yes, things are a little, they're changing a bit, but we're hoping through the way we are, our traditions, to keep it as much the same as possible. Well, you know, when you mentioned the word safe, uh, I lived uh, on Shelter Island before uh, transport planting to uh, Sag Harbor. And one of the things I always remember that um, you never locked your door. And the reason being was that um, people, if they came to commit a crime, it was difficult for them to, you have an island and there's only two ways to live. Oh, we'll find you on the ferry. They'll find you and, on the ferry. <laughs> uh, there's a, a large article about me in this week's Shelter Island Reporter at, that, you know, when I mentioned that you know, you think the Internet is fast. It, it doesn't beat Shelter Island gossip. <laughs> it's still the fastest thing on the planet. And, it's and the same thing. The you do right? anything anywhere. I mean, once somebody was speeding through a school zone and a fire zone on Shelter Island and I had my granddaughter in the car, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for this, I'm sure. So I stopped my car. I walked to the car, the offending car, and I said, you do not drive 40 miles an hour in a fire zone and that, oh, but this is a main road from ferry to ferry. I said, it's a main road through a community where school is in progress. Let me be the first to welcome you and to warn you. Okay. <laughs> I get back in my car 
And my daughter is already on the phone going, what are you doing in front of the firehouse? (laughs) I was like, saving people, slowing down traffic. She said, you stop everyone's talking about. (laughs) Okay. I love it. I can imagine. For mayor, by the way. Or is that super? We don't have a mayor. We are our own town, just like Southampton, East Hampton. Shelter Island is its own town. We have a supervisor. A supervisor. There is, however, a mayor for the village of Daring Harbor. That may be what you're thinking. We do have a village on Shelter Island, the village of Daring Harbor. Very, very small. I think you should run for run for it. No, God, no, no, no. (laughs) I left the room once. In a chamber of commerce meeting, I went to the ladies' room. I came back the vice president. I've since I've since retired. I've done my time uh, there. I'm a member. My business is a member, but sort of no. I volunteer a lot of things. I really, really do. You know, I bet you do. So tell us, what's the inventory like? It there's low inventory. It's just looking at some new things coming on. And it's it's right now, in my opinion, a value-based market. People want to see what the worth is. And in my opinion, on Shelter Island, there is a tremendous amount of worth. But then again, your bottom line of your entry level has it's higher. It really is. It's harder to buy. And we're hoping that the community keeps its holdings, which it always has. You look at the heights, you see many people who have had the houses for generations and generations, and you know, that down, kind of right? thing. And that's what that caring kind of keeps older homes well taken care of, Has you know, as far as that goes. So we are, though, this bubble or whatever you want to call this latest market has ridden the entry level price up a little bit. And you remember years and years ago, sure. you know, you could buy a house for under five hundred thousand. I remember selling houses for one hundred thousand right. dollars. But then I've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, things have changed. That's where the experience comes in, right? Let me ask you a question. Do you have uh, bidding wars? I'm sorry? You have bidding wars? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. Always and quietly. And, you know, sometimes you tell people and sometimes you don't. Sometimes somebody makes an offer that says this is it. You know, you want this grand and wonderful, well over ass kind of cash, whatever, beautiful offer. then. You've got to take it now. And some sellers do that. You know, it's, about, it's up to them. They make the decision. Buyers if they're sorry? A, what kind of advice do you give to buyers if they're in a, uh, uh, a bidding war? Well, do you say I, I stick to basic practical sense. OK, think about it this way. If a few months from now you're reading the paper and the transfers come out and somebody bought a house that you really loved. The last thing you ever want to do is say, oh, I would have paid that. No, that hurts. Big that time. hurts. That's like Big a time. yard sale, but a house is even worse. Please. You want to look at that transfer and say, that's great. Glad you got it. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Wasn't the place for me. Right. You, you want to move on quickly because if you really want a house, make your best offer. Right. And if it's not, if you don't get it, hey, you did your best. Who can do better than the best you can? Exactly. Have you used any uh, escalation clauses? I have not had to. Oh. I have not had to. I've seen them, but I have not had to myself with my own. Gotcha. Huh. Let me ask you one last question then. Um, do you find it harder doing comps now that the market is moving so fast? 
No, not at all. I've always loved comps. That's my favorite little thing. Oh, gee. <laughs> I, I very rarely am I am I stumped. I'm, I'm not trying to blow my horn, but I, I put in bids that are based on comps. You know, I, I would dissuade someone yeah, from being foolish, especially, you know, if I if I work for a buyer and I, you, I work for a lot of buyers, I would dissuade them from doing something they may regret. I want to see you in the grocery store five years from now and you say, how are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, oh, that's the broker that made me pay too much. No, 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 it's not going to happen. No, I want I want happy. I hate to interrupt, but we have to fly. So um, okay, good. if people wanted to reach you, how could they, Susan? Oh, easy. Susan Sincata at gmail.com and Sincata C-I-N-C-O-T-T-A or myself, 631-514-9891. Fantastic, Susan. Sincata, it's been great having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM, Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at WLIW.org radio. <laughs>